Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. <clears throat> it's good to see everybody. Last week when we were together um, in our study of the life of Christ, in our study of a harmony of the Gospels, remember we are taking the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and we're putting them all together in one chronological order so that we can learn about the life of Christ from the time that he was born until the time that he died, buried, and rose again. And so when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get four different of the apostles' perspectives on the life of Christ. Um, Last time we were together, we finished up um, a discussion on John the Baptist. We finished up a discussion on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, Jesus revealed his glory to his disciples uh, and those disciples saw him and Elijah and Moses together on the Mount of Transfiguration. Y'all remember? And we talked about mm-hmm. the fact that Elijah represented who? The prophets. Right. And Moses represents what? The priest. The law. Oh. The, pro- the priest too. That's, that's good. He, uh, that's yeah, yep, yeah, that's very true. He's from, uh, he's a Levite. He's from the tribe of Levi. Uh, him and his brothers. Aaron, and so uh, that you could actually say that. We never even discussed that the other day, but that's true. And so today we want to go ahead and get along in our discussion. Um, today we're going to be looking at three different passages of Scripture. We're going to go to Matthew, we're going to go to Mark, and we're going to go to Luke. Now one of the things that we have not discussed in here in several months is the uh, kingdom living. How, who remembers what we said the term kingdom means does anybody remember what that word means we talked about it a long time ago and we and we talked about it for a long time so it's the king's domain good very good lori you remember that is the exact definition so the king's domain and who is and who is the king of kings and lord of lords jesus Jesus. Mm -hmm. and so if you are his you are a member of his kingdom he's the king and we are his uh, people. Well, I can tell right. Steve I got an A plus in Bible study. Yes, you can tell Steve you got an A plus in Bible study. Um, and so, when we think about that kingdom, <clears throat> um, you know, there's uh, there's still places in the world where there's kings and queens, aren't there? Right. Can anybody think of a place where there's still a queen? Yeah, England still has a queen, right? And so the queen's domain, the queendom, you're right. It's the it's the area that she has dominion over. And the truth of the matter is, is that. All of the citizens of the United Kingdom are under her domain. They are in her kingdom. So, what is required of a Christian? What is required for someone to be a member of the kingdom of God? I want to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Okay, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. All right. Anybody else? What what I, I'm thinking in particular of two things that are required of someone to be a member of the kingdom of God. Confess and believe. Confess and believe. All right. Mm-hmm. And repent. And repent. All right. All of those are good. Mm-hmm. The way we live. Okay. We so live what did Je- what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Born again. You must be born again. You see? So before we are born again, we are a member of the kingdom of who? Wrath. Kingdom of wrath. We're a member of the kingdom of Adam. Adam's kingdom. Right. Right? 
Problem is, is Adam didn't do a good job ruling and reigning, did he? He let sin rule and reign over him. Yeah, Adam really let us down, man. Yeah, <laughs> and and you echo you echo his thoughts and actions too, right? Because you're a chip off the old block. All right, we all are. That's exactly right. But in order to be a member of the kingdom of Adam, what must a person do? They got you. Just got to be born. If you've got a birth certificate and fingerprints and breath in your nose, you are a member of the kingdom of Adam's kingdom. But in order to be a member of the kingdom of God, one must be born again. Baptism is baptism is not required, but it is commanded. Okay. Okay. Uh, I didn't know it wasn't a requirement. Expound. Okay, so if a person is regenerated, if they are born again, who does that work? Jesus. God does. The Holy Spirit, Jesus the Father, God. God changes your heart and gives you a new life. And he also adopts you into his family. He makes you a member of his family. Okay? So, when you have a kid... When you uh, have a child, that child becomes a member of your family through natural childbirth, right? Right. So it's right. not the gift certificate. Not the gift certificate. The birth certificate. Yeah, the birth certificate. It's not the birth certificate that makes him your child. Right. But it is a declaration that they are your child. Right. Right. Well, it's the same way with baptism. Baptism is an outward expression of, of an inward confession. Okay. So if, you, if your heart has been changed because Jesus commanded you to go and get baptized, you are going to want to go and get baptized, and you will be baptized. But being baptized does not necessarily mean that you are in the kingdom. All right? I'll give you a perfect example of my Presbyterian brothers and sisters. They baptized their... Infants, all right. Mm-hmm. Now, what they'll tell you is, is that they are members of the uh, members of the visible church. But it is only when they are regenerated that they become a member of the spiritual, the the eternal church. Okay. All right. Well, I I, I particularly don't believe that. But in either case, the only way to true so someone in the Presbyterian Church can be baptized as an infant and be counted or considered as a member of the visible church. Yeah, but they're not allowed to take communion. But they can't take communion until what? Until they're regenerated and and make a profession of faith. So, they are a member of the visible church, but they are not a member of the kingdom of God. Because the only way to become a member of the kingdom of God is to have a new heart. God has to do that work. He has God has to reach down out of heaven and give you a new heart and change you. So technically somebody that has who has never stepped foot into anybody's church can still be part of the kingdom of God. So how, what do we say about infants and children that pass away? Died. Hold up, hold on guys. What 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 do we say about the children that have passed away and died, like whether they have died from cancer or whatever as an infant and they haven't They're in God's hands. Okay. They're in God's hands and he's gonna do what's right. But Presbyterians are just saying that they are a member of the visible church. 
that they get the benefits. Just like that, what they would say is in the same. I was just trying to understand. Right. What, We're there for yeah. Right, they and what they would consider is they would say in the same way that the children of Israel who were circumcised mm-hmm. are members of the the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. They're Israelites because of their circumcision. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in the same way, they are members of the covenant community because they've been baptized. Okay. But, but anyhow, that's the, the point I was making is this. The only way to become a member of the kingdom of God is for God to adopt you into the kingdom, bring you into the family himself. It's a work that God does, not us. Right. All right? Now, if God has done that work in your life, there's going to be an expression of that work in your life. What do I mean by that? If God has truly done that work in your life, then you are going to express that in your life. What do I mean by that? Can somebody help me with that? Uh, your, by your walk. Okay, good. It's in your, your walk. Good. The Bible uses the word conversation. And conversation is not just what you say. It's who you are and what you do. Where you carry right. your feet, your where you go, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your deeds. Right. So if a person is truly a member of the kingdom of God... They are going to express that because their heart is going to be kingdom-minded. Right. You see how that works? Mm -hmm. And so that's what Jesus is going to teach us about today. Remember, they've just come back from seeing the Mount of Transfiguration, and the disciples are on this big high, and, and now Jesus is going to bring them back down to earth with this conversation that we're going to see today. Are we still in Matthew? Yeah, we're going to start in Matthew. We're going to read that first, and then we're going to look at Mark and Luke, okay? Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1, all right? Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. And this is what it says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Remember, he had just been talking about Moses and Elijah. Remember? Mm-hmm. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted... What are some other words for converted? Changed. Regenerated, changed, born born again. again. Good. Unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives me, receives one such child in my name, receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and for him to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man through whom the stumbling blocks come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you. It would be better for you to enter life crippled or lame than for you to have two hands or two feet and be cast into an eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than for you to have two eyes and be cast into the fiery hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. All right, now we're going to kind of go back through and talk about what Jesus has been teaching his disciples. Look in verse 1. The disciples are discussing among themselves who is the greatest of them. Right. Which one of us is the greatest? 
Now we're gonna we're gonna expound on that some more in in uh, Luke. We'll see in Mark. We'll see them have in Mark and Luke having that discussion. They're actually walking along, and what we're gonna find out is Jesus is telling them, "Hey, I'm fixing to have to go and die." And while he's telling them that he's fixing to die, be arrested and and beaten and killed and die and raised from the dead, the whole time he's telling them that, that's going right over their head. They don't yeah, even hear it, the and they want to know who the greatest in the kingdom is. And within what you just read is also the promise of eternal life, the evidence of the promise. Good. Of that's, that's exactly right. So in verse 1, he's asking who is the greatest. And what does Jesus use as an example of the greatest person in the kingdom? Child. He grabs a little child. kid and brings a little kid right. in and says, You see this child? Do you see this child right here? And so what do we learn from that? Look in verse, um, you must be converted. And become as little children. Okay. Now, it's very important to understand that we must be regenerated. We must be born again. That's the work that God does. It's not something we do. But if we are born again, if we are regenerated, then our hearts are going to change. And if our hearts change, what's going to happen to our minds, our thoughts, our words, our actions? They're going to change. And we're going to become like children. Willing to take direction. Willing to Right, but children aren't really willing to take direction. They have to learn. They have to trust. They have to trust. Okay, good. But one of the things that we can know about ourselves when we were little kids is, when we were children, we thought that the world revolved around who? When you was a kid, who did you think the world revolved around? Me. You. Yeah, it's, it, you're exactly right. It's all about you. But as we grow and as we mature, we realize that it's not really about us. Okay. So when Jesus is talking about becoming as little children, little children are weak. They can't defend themselves. They're reliant on their parents. Right? Children kind of say whatever comes to their mind, don't they? Mm-hmm. They have no filter. Right. Right. Why do they do that? Why does a kid come into a room and see somebody with a handicap like they have a, a crooked eye? Why does that little kid look at and say, what's wrong with your eye? Curiosity. Because <laughs> something's wrong with their eye. Right. Yeah. But we as adults don't want to mention that because, oh, that's bad. We don't want to talk, right. bring up somebody's... But a little kid is just honest. There is something different about you than there is about me. Mm-hmm. And he just brings it up. They're honest. They're forthcoming. They don't, they're not deceptive and sneaky. Well, actually, actually, they can be, can they? Right? They can be. But what Jesus is saying is, if your heart has been changed, if you truly have been converted, if you truly have been converted, then it's going to reflect in your attitude and your actions and the way that you live your life. And look in verse 3 and 4. Unless you're converted to become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself, he is the greatest. So, Jesus is flipping things on their head. In the world we live in, a humble person is not the greatest. The people that we look up to are sports heroes and our athletes. They strut around like roosters and they, and they, and they, and they show how strong they are right. and how talented and how powerful <laughs> and how persuasive and how, uh, uh, handsome and attractive and strong they are. You see what I mean? They draw attention to themselves. And the world loves self-indulgence, does it not? Yes. Very much so. Right? But what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that if there is a work been done in your heart, 
then it's going to come out in your actions. And instead of living like the world, you're going to live like a citizen of the kingdom. Now, what are, what's required of a citizen of a kingdom? Taxes. Yeah, you, have to pay, you have to pay the price, don't you? Right. But what else? Obedience. Yeah, you have to follow the rules. And you know what Jesus tells me and you as his children? If you really love me, if you love me, then obey me. Mm-hmm. See? And that's what he's trying to teach them here. It's not about how great you are. Because the more you build yourself up, the less glory the king gets. Right. It's about him, not you. It's not only is it about the king. That's what happened with David and Saul. Yep. They started singing about David yep. and took attention away from the king. Yep. So it's not about it's not about you. It's about the king. So kingdom living is not about you. It's about the king, and it's also about someone else. Who? Jesus. Jesus. He's the king. Yeah. And who else is it about? Who is kingdom living really about? I'll, I'll give you a hint. Jesus said there's the greatest commandment is this. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's about the fellowship. It's about the other people with you. And if I am building myself up, what am I generally doing? I'm stepping on other people to do it. I'm tearing other people down to build myself up, or I'm having the spotlight on me, and that draws takes the spotlight away from you. You see? So it's not about you. It's about him and them. It's about the fellowship. And so if your heart has been changed, then what's going to happen in your life? I'm glad that you recognize what you said because that's very true about me too. It's about me. When I go to bed at night, I think about what I'm going to do tomorrow. And when I'm at work, I think about leaving because I don't want to be there because I am tired and I didn't get enough sleep. And I don't like these people here because they're aggravating and they're frustrating. And I just want to go. You see? You see? It's about me. But as God continues to work in your heart and change you on the inside, what happens? It starts becoming more about other people and about God, about God and neighbor instead of myself. And are the disciples expressing that in this conversation? No. No, because Jesus is sitting here telling them, I'm fixing to go and die for, for you. For you, yeah, for them. And what are they saying? Well, it's about me. Who's the greatest? And what is the greatest saying? It's about dying to self and living for others. You see how that works? They're arguing about who's the greatest, and the greatest and is walking even, with them. And he's not even complaining about how they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. And he is the greatest, and what is he saying? I'm fixing to go die for you. Mm-hmm. I'm fixing to go do my Father's will, God. I'm fixing to do God's will because I love my neighbors. So much. You see how that works? Yeah. All right. Now. He says in verse 5 and 6, look at verse 5 and 6, Whoever receives such a child in my name receives me. But if you cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, when we think of little ones, immediately we think about the children. Right. But it could be a baby, like a baby in, in their journey with Christ. Is that what It's talking about the children of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right? 
You see how that works? Any of them. Any of them. Right. Now, is there a special place in God's heart for children? Of course there is. And But what he's saying is, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you cast into the deepest ocean for you to mess with one of my kids. Because if you mess with my child, you are messing with me. Remember, the kingdom is one body. Christ is the head, and all of the members are his body. When you get to the book of Revelation, at the end, remember that God's wrath is coming and being poured out on the world. Why? Because of what they did to him and what they did to his children. (laughs) They're paying for their injustices. Remember all of his the martyrs that are under the throne in heaven right now crying out, How long, Lord? How long are you going to let them keep doing this? Look what they did to me. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said that he said the blood uh, in in Hebrews it says the blood of Abel cried out for vengeance, but Jesus' shed blood cries out something different. Abel's blood cried out and said, "Pay them for pay him for what he's done. Make him pay for what he's done." I've been hurt. And what did Jesus say? Forgive them. Forgive, Forgive them. them. They don't know what they do. And he shed his blood. And so the, the reality is, is that what Jesus is warning people is, don't mess with my kids. Don't mess with my children. And how often are we, and I, when I say we, that's, that's not a mouse in my pocket, that's me and you, right? How often are we guilty of gossiping about fellow Every Christians. Day. Every day. Right. Every How day. often are we guilty of building ourselves up and tearing others down? Every, Every day, day we're guilty of it. And what does what is Jesus say? Don't do that. And if your heart is in the right place, when you do do that, what's going to happen? You feel bad. You're going to feel bad. You feel it. Right? Yeah. And it, if it's a godly sorrow, it's going to cause you to turn back to Christ. And Yeah, and sometimes and before your mouth opens, your heart says, no, nah, nah. maybe you better yep. not. That's exactly right. So can I, because right. I, I won't even lie, I tend to be a very blunt person. <laughs> and whatever no. I, no, I know, well, I'm not shocking, but um, no, I have, you know, have a thought, and I'm trying to get better at not having it shoot out my mouth. But is the thought a bad thing? Is the thought a sin? Even if you don't speak it, God knows what you're thinking. Yeah. All right. And so, sometimes the spirit. So does so. Does anybody want to answer that for her? Is a thought of sin? Yes. Okay. Yep. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you are guilty of adultery. I prayed to God before, please fix my brain. (laughs) No, I mean, I. No, it helps. Yeah. So, good. Sometimes it helps them thought. um, That question goes right into what we're going to talk about next. Look at at verse 7. (laughs) <laughs> Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come. But woe to that man through whom these stumbling blocks come. All right, so what is a stumbling block? Something you trip up on. Something you trip up on. All right. <laughs> so as citizens of the kingdom, we're all walking along in this course of life. Right. And from time to time, people put things into our path that cause us to stumble, right? right. Immediately in my mind, I think about the crooked drug dealer <laughs> on the side of the street and the alley going... Hey, I got something for you. You know what I mean? Like that's what I think of. But the reality is, it could be our best friend getting us to gossip, or it could be social media and the things that we're posting out there in the world for people to see. It could be customers who get on your nerves. Yeah. 
right to me. That's really now, <laughs> good. So a customer that gets on your nerves, how is that causing you to stumble? Well, anger is a sin. Mm-hmm. All right. And yes. if you uh, and if you it's lose it. your temper with them. Be angry, sin. but do not sin. Huh? Yeah, there isn't there a it righteous anger? Be angry, anger? but do not sin. It's a righteous anger. Okay. Right. Generally, when you angry at a customer, it's because you're seeing something in them that's in yeah, you, too. Sometimes them customers are very mean to no. other people. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the yeah, cust- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, customers being mean, well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even taking And you know what there. Jesus says? Look at all you did to me, and I still wouldn't die for you. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, that's the, the, the way that we should think in the kingdom. So watch what he says next because this gets weird. This could almost get weird. He said if, so we got, we're walking along in the kingdom and there are things that cause us to stumble. And he's saying, don't be one of those stumbling blocks. Don't cause other people to trip up. All right. Right. Then he says in verse eight, if your hand or your foot cause you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It's better for you to enter life crippled and lame than to have two hands or two feet and be cast into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. So, if I have a tendency to lust and I get home and get on my computer uh-huh. and my eyes cause me to go to and heart cause me to go to the porn site, uh-huh. is Jesus telling me that I need to get something and pull my eye out? No. Is that what he's saying? He's telling you to click off. Is he saying that I... You cut it off. Yeah, you gotta right? cut it off. Is he saying yeah. that I need to physically pull my eye out? No. No. Right. And metaphorically, it's better for you to be to not have that Right. Good. All right. Now watch what he says. It would be better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes to be cast into hell. Now, so watch. Remember last time we were together, we talked about how there is a there is a spiritual application to the things we talk about, and there is a physical application to the things that we right. talk about. Are the spiritual and the physical separate? No. When you get angry. Mm-hmm. And lose your temper. Does it come out in your physical body? It does. Yes. Yeah. Your heart rate yeah. goes up. Yeah. Your face turns around. Yeah. All right. So good. So, does the spiritual have any kind of ramifications towards my physical life? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What about my phys- yeah. What about my physical life having any kind of influence on my spiritual life? It can. Definitely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure can. Because no. when we start to stumble, when we start to backslide, when we start to get back into our old life patterns, it's usually the physical drives that drag us there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can't separate them, can you? Because it's your heart that's causing you to fall. Right. It's the sin in you that's causing you to be that person. You want me to close that? No, no, it's fine. All right. So what he's saying there is this. Your heart is the source of your thoughts and your words and your actions and your deeds. But one day, those who reject God and are cast into hell, it's going to be a spiritual torment and it's going to be a physical torment. Your eyes and your arms and your legs are going to be cast in there with you. So, as members of the spiritual kingdom of God, we are still physical people. And the things that we do physically are expressions of who we are spiritually. And who we are spiritually is definitely going to have an impact on who we are physically. You see how that? Yeah, that's exactly right. It goes hand in hand. So, what is the source? Our heart. And if God has regenerated our hearts, then what's going to happen to our physical life? 
going to come in line with God's right. Line, Good. That's exactly right. right. But right. the reality is this: we were just talking about this before class got started. I hurt my back really bad this week at work. I wrenched it bad, lifting up something heavy in a stupid way. I'm 52 or 51 years old now, and 30 years ago, I could have grabbed that up and it wouldn't even affected me at all. Yeah. <laughs> right? Michael, you got some heart work. I just had done, right? Mm-hmm. And so our bodies are physically deteriorating. Right. But spiritually, if God is at work in us, what should be happening to us spiritually? Right. We should spiritually be growing. Keep growing. We should be growing. We should be growing. Yep. So the outer man is wasting away. The inner man is being renewed day by day. Very good. That's exactly right. And so now I've got this battle going on inside of me because isn't it funny how when you're young, nobody can tell you anything. Right. But about the time you start getting a grasp on what's true and what's real and what's wise and what's good, right. you're too old to do anything about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you see? Yeah. But one day, one day when he returns, I'm going to get a new body to go with the new person I am that he, that he created. Right. I get, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be whole again. And then all of that uh, confusion and all of that... Uh, uh, dissimulation and all of that uh, distraction and and uh, irony and all of that that's in me that causes me to live a confused life and causes me to, to constantly battle with myself. It's going to all be gone because the old man is going to be completely gone. And I'm going to be a new creation in Christ. So I am a new creation in Christ. Why? Because I'm a member of His kingdom. I have been regenerated. I am a new creation in Christ. I am becoming a new creation in Christ. How is that? Because as I grow and as I mature, He is making me more and more into His image. And one day, I will be perfected. I will have a new spirit and a new body to go along with it. When you die. Right. It's a humbling down. So, these disciples here who are constantly arguing among each other who is going to be the greatest (laughs) are eventually going to all give their life for Christ. Through their mistakes and their arguing and their bickering and their constantly putting their feet in their mouth and they're constantly making bad choices, God is going to continue to mature them and make them the people that they're supposed to be. And who are His disciples supposed to be? They're going to give their life for the kingdom's sake. The reason that you and I are able to sit here today and read the book of Matthew or read the book of First Peter is because <clears throat> these disciples wrote what they wrote for us. What about John? He didn't die unnaturally, did he? Uh, he died uh, in exile on Patmos, on the island of Patmos. So, so he's the only one that didn't die a martyr's death. Okay. But, in a, but in a sense, he was a martyr because he was exiled from his people. And he, like okay. he, he lived alone on that mm-hmm. island. Uh, but th- the point is this. God is at work in you and around you. And it's up to us to trust him and walk in his work. And what he's trying to teach his disciples here is what life is really about. And what is life really about? It's about my Father who art in heaven and my neighbor who I'm supposed to love as myself. Right. Okay? Now, look in verse uh, 7 or in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Who would these little ones be? His children, right? Mm-hmm. 
For I say to you that their angels in heaven, that means we have guardian angels, continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. All right? And the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. So what is the purpose of Jesus coming? To seek and to save that which is lost. And what is He doing in your life right now? He's seeking and saving that which is lost. And is He going to be successful? Yes, there is no doubt. Why? Because His Holy Spirit and His angels and His Father and His people and His glory are at stake. You see? You see how that works? Mm-hmm. All right, so we got about 15 minutes. Let, let, let's go over to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Uh, that's just to the right, just a little bit. And Again, we're doing a harmony of the gospel, so we're going to read some stuff here that is very similar to what we've been talking about because these are all the same story and the same detail. So Mark chapter 9, and we'll start in verse quick 30. Hmm? Quick, quick rabbit hole. I didn't know that Ezekiel... Build an army of dead people like the walking dead. Ezekiel did. The Holy yeah. Spirit did. Okay. No, but it, it, the depiction of that is in Ezekiel 37. Yeah, like the walking dead. They were, uh, dead they, they were skeletons. He says, speak to these bones. The Spirit of God came upon the bones, and the bones uh, raised up and grew flesh and became well, an, an army. Well, not Jesus wrote, but that was kind of it's a vision. It's a vision of the Spirit of God yeah, building His kingdom. It's, it's, a, it's a vision of the Spirit of God building His kingdom. Okay. Yep. All right. Verse 30 of Mark chapter 9. Verse 30 of Mark chapter 9. From there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and He did not want anyone to know about it. For He was teaching His disciples and telling them. All right, what's He teaching them? The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill Him, and when He has been killed, He will be raised again three days later. But they did not understand the statement, and they were afraid to ask Him. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. You were in verse 13. 13 or 30? 30. You must have been in 13. No, I was at the beginning. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. He went around, began to go through Galilee, and did not want anyone to know about it. Why did he not want anyone to know about it? Because remember, we had already seen where a lot of people were chasing after Jesus just because they liked the bread that he was giving them and for the show. Oh. And so he's secretly going along. He, he yeah, he's doing miracles. The one that he up, wants yeah. to come to him are the ones and the that greedy folks that want something for themselves. That's exactly right. So who are the people that he truly wants to come to him? Those that the Father has given to him. Those that the Spirit are drawing to him. Those mm. that need him the most. Good. So he was teaching his disciples in verse thirty and thirty-two. Watch what he's teaching them. He's teaching them that they will kill him. Uh, he will be arrested, he will be killed, he will be buried, and he will raise again three days later. That's also known as the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the gospel is what? That Christ was uh, born, uh, raised according to the scriptures, uh, uh, arrested, buried, dead, and rose again according to the scriptures. Right, and so the gospel is that God has done something about our uh, our state of uh, uh, being dead in trespass and sin. He has sent His Son to redeem a people for Himself, to purchase a people for Himself. And the good news is that if you repent, if you turn to Him and trust Him, that you will be saved. Right, and so uh, Jesus is teaching the gospel to His disciples, and what did it say? They did not understand. All right. Why did they not understand? Because they yet to have ears to understand it all. And not only that, look what it said. They did not understand the statement and were afraid to ask. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? 
So remember, Jesus is teaching them about his death, burial, and resurrection, right. and then he asks them when they get to the house. Now, what were y'all talking about? <laughs> Why is it that they did not understand what he was saying? And look what it says. But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed which one of them was the greatest. Ah, it's all about them. Yeah, that's exactly right. The reason they couldn't grasp it is because they were being self-centered. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, (coughs) he must be last. Uh, So he says, Taking a child, he said before him, and said, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. All right. So, Jesus asked them, he's like, what were y'all talking about? And they were, they, they didn't want to say anything because they knew that they had been talking about who was the greatest. Right? Who is the greatest? Jesus. Mm-hmm. And how did he express that greatness? By going and dying for those guys. Right. Those self-indulgent, self-willed, self-righteous, self-sufficient mm-hmm. disciples he is. He came and died for them. He gave up self for them. He gave up self for his Father's will and those who he is supposed to, he is commanded to love as himself. And what are they doing? They're arguing about self. And so what did he do? He said, what were y'all talking about? Why couldn't you grasp it? All right, now, we're going to take a quick break from there and jump a little further to the right to Luke 9, 46 through 50. Because there we'll get a little more of the discussion. Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 50. Right, let me say that one more time for Lord. Luke 9, 46 through 50. An argument, an argument started among them as to which one of them might be the greatest. So what are they doing? They're literally fighting. Sound like a bunch of Baptist Presbyterians in the room right there, right? Sound like a bunch of Calvinists and Arminians in a room. And and the papers, right? But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood by his side. Now, that's very important. Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart. Now, is Jesus omniscient? Does he know everything? Yes. But in his physical body, as a man, did he know everything? Yes. He, his knowledge was limited at times, was it not? In his physical, huh? in his physical human body. I thought he knew everything. He was a man. He was one hundred percent man. But he knew. But he I thought he knew. God? But there were times that he did. There were times in his life where he expressed a not knowing. Like when he was going to come back from when he when the end. No man knows. No man knows today. When when is your return? No man knows today but my father. Yeah, so he's limited. So he's limited because he is in a human body. But look what it said. He knew what was in their heart. He knew what everything in their heart. So he took a child and stood a child. Now, how, if Jesus is at times limited to, in his knowledge, mm-hmm. how did he know what was going on in their heart? It's a good question. It's a simple answer. Read verse 46 again. Read their minds. <laughs> An argument started among them about which one was the greatest. How did Jesus know what was going on in their heart? Because they had an argument. They were arguing about who was the best. Uh He knew what they was arguing about without even asking. But there was an argument. There was not peace and harmony. There was chaos. Confusion. 
He knew they were being selfish because they were arguing amongst themselves. You see? But now, what does that tell you? Uh-huh. That tells you when when you hear people tell you, don't judge me, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. Right. But the Bible will judge you. And you know what the Bible says about your language? Out of your mouth flows the issues of your heart. Mm-hmm. So can I know what's in a person's heart by what's coming out of their mouth? Yes. yes. You better believe it. Yeah. Or, or what they do. Are you told one of the disciples, he's, I saw you by the fig tree before. There were times when he expressed his omniscience. But there were times when he was limited. When he was a baby, he couldn't do everything. All right. So we got five minutes left. We need to wind this down. All right. Now, it says um, he used a child as an example. And look at verse 47 and 48. Verse 47 and 48. Look what he says. Jesus took the child. Whoever receives this child receives me. And whoever receives me, he receives him who sent me. Who sent him? God. The Father. That's exactly right. So by our love for others, we are loving who? God. Jesus. And we are showing our love for not only Jesus, but for God the Father. Right. Right? Who, the way he says, receive a child, you receive me. Now again, is that just talking about those little kids in the hallway when we talk about a child? No. What is we he talking about? Children. A children of the kingdom. God's children. Right? Jesus right. loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are mm-hmm. pressed in sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. But Jesus has a love for his children. And his children are those he died to save. And what is he saying? Don't you put your hand on them. Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them physically, verbally, verbally. Don't make it about you. Don't tear other people down. I know it's symbolic about the children, but somebody who's in their... um, Somebody, excuse me, retarded. Handicapped in the mind? Yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. Um, that would be one of his little ones, right? One of his little ones would be a member of the kingdom. Right. We're all. And little children are special in his sight. He showed that by bringing one to him. Well, are they right. the ones that are still They're helpless. milk instead of meat in the gospel? Yeah. In Isaiah chapter 53... It tells us that the suffering servant would suffer and that through his suffering he would see uh, all of his seed blessed, all of his children blessed. So through his work on the cross, he has redeemed the people for himself. So it's all of those who are in Christ. He uses the example of children as a way for us as physical human beings to to grasp it. Right? He's using it in a parabolic way. Now... Does that mean that you're supposed to go out? You can go out and harm children that are little Muslim children because they're they're not Christian. No, 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 not at all. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is you must become like a little child. And then when he says, and if you mess with one of these children, you're messing with me. Right, right. Now he says, receive a child, receive me, receive me, receive the Father, and the least is the greatest. And those are the things that we need to grasp. Now to, to um, I guess we probably need to finish there because we got one minute left. So just really quickly, a couple of the, the major things that we need to grasp out of today's lesson is this. Jesus has spent three years with his disciples. And one of the things that he is doing is he's preaching the gospel to them. And he not only is he preaching it prophetically, but he's walking it out before them. Right. 
his conversation is an expression of that gospel. Right. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus has come to save sinners who I am the greatest, right? And not only that, but the gospel t- teaches us that God loves us and that he had to come and save us because in our fallen nature, we could not love him and we could not love others. Right. But when he regenerates our heart, then our lives become regenerated. And if my heart has been changed, then my thoughts and my words and my actions will change. Does that mean that I'm not ever going to lose my temper again? No. Yep. Yep. Does that mean that I'm going to live a perfect and sinless life? No. No. But what it means is, is that my heart is going to be led by the Spirit of God. And if my heart is being led by the Spirit of God, then my thoughts, words, and action and body will follow. Right. It's not easy. And it's going to take the rest of my it's life for Him to get me right. where I'm supposed it to be. slowly starts. So don't look back on losing your temper at your coworker yesterday and say, "Well, I must not be saved." But if you, uh, you know, you're things like that do do put doubt in your mind, and that and that's the devil. Right. Well, <clears throat> because if I am depending on something that I am doing to get me to heaven, then I'm leaning on a broken crutch anyhow. Right. right. So last thing, and then we're done. Remember, so as a man, I struggle with lust all the time. And I often fail. I often fall. I give in to my thoughts. I give in to my uh, mindset. But as a child of God, I fight that. And through the power of His Spirit, He gives me the desire and the ability to overcome it. Do I live a perfect walk? No, I fail every day. The difference in me now and the difference in me 20 years ago before I was regenerate was 20 years ago, I would have embraced that lust. And not cared about it. I would have chased after it. Now, I realize what my Savior did for me on that cross to set me free from that lust. And I know that I'm not supposed to live in it anymore. And it grieves me when I do. But I've seen some people take it so far. This one guy was a minister up in South Carolina at a recovery place. Yeah. And, um, when he went back out and got on crack, he couldn't take it. He killed himself. Yep. Well, because he had given his life over to God, he was drinking on Jesus' blood and all that. And, I mean, that's unhealthy there. He shouldn't. Yeah. If God can forgive, he forgives everything. But he had in his mind, if I ever get back, I'm going to die. The devil's going to kill me. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah, apostasy falling away is a terrible thing. And the book of Hebrews warns against that. So, I hope that everybody got something out of lesson today. Let's close with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for caring for us enough to die for us. Thank you for saving us and making us a part of your kingdom. Lord, every one of us in this room know that we are commanded by you to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs you. And my prayer is that through a continual study of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will allow us to do just that. Help us to see our shortcomings, but help us, more importantly, to turn from them and depend on you and not ourselves. Be with everybody this week. Help them to have a good week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.